Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Mary and the Witch's Flower, which we'll be getting into today. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by Dylan Heisen. Hello. We just got out of the film and immediately wanted to share our thoughts with you guys. Is it a review? Is it a reaction? We'll see. Uh, but you can find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes at OverlyAnimated.com slash iTunes, where we appreciate your star ratings. Or search for Overly Animated on your favorite podcatcher. So, um, me and Dylan both went to this uh, premiere event that... For, uh, for Mar- Mary and the Witch's Flower, yes, yeah. for Mary and the Witch's Flower that uh, Fathom Events was hosting. Yes. And uh, there were two screens of it, one at seven, one at eight. The one at seven was dubbed, the one at eight was subbed. I mean, I think it's no surprise which one we went to see. <laughs> yeah, because we're super weebs, so we saw the subbed one, yeah. Of course, of course. And I don't regret that, um, even though Kate Winslet is in the dubbed one, which, you know, they always ca- catch me with the dub, like whether it's Ghibli or now Pon- Ponuk, they, they, they always give like these big stars, like I watched Ponyo dubbed just to hear tina fey and she was barely (laughs) in it so just to give you an idea the ghibli dubs are always great yeah they're always great so um, and i I assume most people who've seen this who are listening saw it dubbed um just because i think that's what all of the ones the only time you would be able to see it subbed was that eight o'clock with the premiere night um so we won't be able to comment on the english voice performances but you know yeah oh wow so this is the only time we could have seen it subbed Man, I like lucked out. I was about to go tomorrow and I thought that was all going to be something. Okay, that makes me really happy. But um, but yeah, so we just got out. Now we just want to talk about it. So Dylan, did you like it? Well, uh, let, uh, first of all, about that premiere night, uh, Beatrice, oh. was yours? Was your screen? Was your uh, theater as as uh, oh. surreal of an experience <laughs> as it was for me? Because this is a uh, children's film, and I, uh, I mean, we're seeing it subbed, but uh, there was one child in my theater. It was sold out, and it was just a bunch of twenty-something uh, similar people to me who were. <laughs> it was like, uh, okay, these these are my people. It was it was it was a very surreal experience. I mean, maybe it's because I've gone to another, like, screen. I, I went to last year. I saw only yesterday subbed at this, like, very small theater. So I always assumed that it was always my people I was going to see it with. So it was never, like, super surreal. But, um, but yeah, it was mostly, like, young adult. Like, people who, like, our people, basically. It was yeah. our people watching this movie. And, um, yeah, no kids. I did not notice any children. If anything... Um, because they, because it's a Fathom Events thing, they didn't show trailers, so I saw a lot of people, like, coming in, like, missing, like, the first 20 minutes yeah. of the film yes. or something. Same, same for me, yeah. And the, the, the things they showed before the movie, there was, like, a bunch <laughs> of, uh, anime ads. Um, yeah. just, it was, so it was like, okay, this is just Anime Club. Like, this is, this is what's going on here. It was, was it was very weird. There was, there was a commercial for Nerdist. There was, like, a commercial for, for, for Nintendo. One of the commercials was like, hey, Ghibli nerds, uh, you should, uh, check us out. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Anyway, and also, um, I don't know if this is probably not going to happen for any of the for like non premiere event things, (laughs) but um, they did show like they had these like title graphics, like giving us like hints of the plot before the screen, like the before the movie started, and it's just like really you're going to spoil, really. Yeah. Anyway, no one will see that, but yeah, that was a bad idea. And also, just to add, um, the last thing that makes like this kind of premiere thing, if you managed, if you, in the future you manage to see, come across one of these things, 
Um, there was like an interview with the director and the producer of the film at the end. Um, it was like, what, 15 minutes? It wasn't super long, but it was interesting. And it did help clear up some things I had questions about at the okay. end. It wasn't like, I, super, I, but. I didn't, I didn't stay for it. So you can uh, sprinkle some of the, the knowledge from the interview into the, <laughs> as we talk about it. Will do. Will do. Um, but yeah, and if you hear like the ruffling of paper, that's just me because I take notes when I watch movies. That's just what I do. Um, but yeah, all right. So Dylan, how, did you like this movie? Well, we're in non we're in non spoiler section first, correct? Yes. The, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, we are starting non spoiler, but we will be getting into spoilers a little bit later. But I'll let you guys know when that is, so that you won't scream at me for spoiling things. Um, okay. But yeah. Yes. Um. I love this movie, Beatriz. Uh, so I'm biased because I'm the biggest Ghibli stan in the world. And uh, this is I, this was my most anticipated movie for like two years. And uh, it's not, you know, it's not Ghibli. It's Ponog, It's But it's clearly the Ghibli spinoff movie. The director, um, uh, Yonaba, Yonabashi, uh, he, he directed uh, Arietti, which I loved. And then when Marnie was there, which is... Uh, one, in my opinion, one of the best animated films of the past 10 years. Like, I just think it's absolutely incredible. And went into this movie, you know, I did, it, I don't know, it wasn't expectations. I just, I just wanted it to, to be fun. And, uh, it, it really was. I, I, I just, I, I think I enjoyed watching this movie more than I have watching an animated film in a long time, like Coco as well. But, uh, I just, you know, it, it's not, it's not spectacular. You'll, you'll read some tepid reviews of the film. Interested to see what Beatrice has to say. But um, I think that uh, overall, I I really enjoyed it. And I think overall, it's it's very good. Um, I, it's it's certainly gorgeous. Watching it in a theater was was excellent. And uh, it's the, the plot is thin, but uh, I really latched on to Mary, the main character. And I think her characterization was pretty good. Um, and I like a lot of what the movie does with uh, this magical school uh, trope. <laughs> and that's kind of the uh, that's, that's going to be one of the biggest things to talk about. Um, but if you're looking for plot, not a ton of it, even less than your typical Ghibli movie. Um, but I, I still really, really enjoyed this. That's so great. I really enjoyed it, too. Um, I agree. I mean, I would say that this isn't this has more. Plot. This has the plot of a of a. Like, this has more plot than like Totoro, for instance. Like you know, this is, and there's there are little nuggets in there of things that you can like sink your teeth into a little bit more. Like I I agree with you that this is a beautiful film. It's a blast. Like this is just a fun thing to see. It's a joy to watch. Like I yeah. It. I don't know if if they included the the interviews in the runtime for this movie, but from what I saw, it was like two hours and five minutes. That's not that, that includes yeah that includes the uh, the interviews. It's okay. only an hour forty on its own. Okay, okay, got it. Well, it flies like it doesn't feel like an hour and forty. You're just like it. It starts and by the time it's over, you just think like whoa, like that was that was a blast, and um, it was really great again to watch it in such a big screen. Like the end, I can't emphasize enough how much of a difference that makes because it's just so beautiful to see like the colors just everything just is so like it's awe-inducing sometimes um and yeah this is clearly um uh, uh akin to the ghibli formula in a way there's a formula for ghibli um it is a little formulaic i mean there there were so many things that i called i was like okay this is gonna happen now now this is gonna happen um but 
Maybe that's because I watch a lot of movies, so I'm just used to story beats. I heard gasps in my theater. I heard laughter mm-hmm. in my theater. Like it was, like they, I. It was just really great to watch it with an audience because then people would just like. There was just this this humor. The humor worked better. The the plot points just like hit stronger because it's just with more people. So people were able to like, you know, it's a domino effect. One person gasps and another another it, all that. But it was just it's a re- it was a really great time. And, um, I think my biggest nitpick would be the villains. Um, we'll get more into detail why later, but, um, I will say that they're not my favorite of the Ghibli villains. Uh, I mean, I know that we're going to, it's not Ghibli, but it's Ghibli. It's not, but it is. Um, I haven't seen, um, when Marnie was there, I haven't seen the secret world of Arietti, I think is the title of yeah. Of that one, I haven't seen either. I wanted to watch at least one of them before uh, watching this one, just to get a taste of the director and how his style works. But um, but where would you rank this in in those three films? Uh, I would rank this third. Um, okay. okay. But uh, I don't think it's a distant third. I think, as I said, I think Marnie is the standout. Um, you'll find some people that don't think Marnie's that good, but I think it's a masterpiece. And then um I, I think it's about it's it's this is this movie is similar to Arietti. Arietti is also a little thin on narrative. Um but uh I'd probably initially put Arietti above this, but you know, th- this holds its own, I would say. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I think um something that uh the director said in the interview portion was that he wanted he when he was making when Marnie was there, he was he was thinking about like little kids, thinking, are they gonna enjoy this is this going to be entertaining for young children so for this movie he really wanted to make a movie that was entertaining for everybody but for like young children that maybe are possibly hard to sit still that they would be also enthralled by this so that's also that's that's interesting because marnie is um in my opinion less of a kid's much less of a kid's movie than this marnie deals with uh one of marnie's main themes is depression and stuff so (laughs) that's that's interesting right right so um that's what i figured based on like the trailers i've seen from for when marnie was there i was just like well i mean i understand why he was thinking like is this like a uh, will children enjoy this? Like, I can understand why, especially since he was also working under Ghibli at that time. So there was that sort of expectation. But, um, but yeah, so interesting. I have to watch Marnie now. Like, I really have yeah, to watch you, it. You, yeah, you'll like Marnie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really funny. Anything that Dylan says I'll like, I end up liking. So I trust that judgment. Um, but yeah, uh, what did you think of, of just like, what did you think of the villains? Just like just before we get really into it, because that was the biggest thing for me. Like, did you? Well, we can, we can't even say who the villains are without no, getting can't. in the spoilers. But um, yeah, look, the, the, anything specific outside of Mary herself is weak. So like, <laughs> there's nothing you couldn't you could say. I don't. I don't. You don't need to call out the villains. You could call out the uh, the narrative, the magic school, the uh, any single specific plot element. Peter, like uh, you know, and there's there's not a lot there. Um, and so I don't know, there's not, there's not a ton to say about them. Um, and I, I I guess that in particular, the, the movie wants to spend a lot of time with them. Um, and, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate as much, but, uh, I, one of, one of the two in particular, I really like, so we'll talk about that. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Let me then rephrase this question. Do you think that the, Okay, so do you think that there was any sort of like tonal shift, any difference between what he was able to do now that he is under a different studio than Ghibli? Like, is there anything that kind of stood out to you that differentiated this film 
from his work under that Ghibli brand. Yeah, that's interesting because to be honest, I, watching Mary and the Witch's Fire, and maybe it's just because we're so we're at a later point uh, in the Ghibli uh, post Ghibli <laughs> canon. Um, I constantly was thinking of what of past Ghibli movies uh, this scene was like uh, when I was watching this movie. So to me, this almost feels the most Ghibli-like movie um, out of out of any of his three. Um, it's just certain scenes extremely... The whole thing, obviously, is very reminiscent of Kiki. Um, I, 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 I thought specific scenes uh, felt a lot like Spirited Away. There was the intro yeah. scene, I think. Uh, the intro scene, I think, feels a lot like... Um, uh, Na- Nausicaa. Nausicaa, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that that kept popping up into my head. I guess it, it goes bigger than either of the two movies. Like there's uh, there's climaxes there. It gets it tries to get dark. There is uh, big visuals and stuff. So I feel like this is him trying his version of a Miyazaki movie, whereas I wouldn't say that's true of Arietti or uh, Marnie. Those are more typical non-Miyazaki Ghibli movies. Do you think that hinders the film do you think that he's trying too hard to be like Miyazaki or is it just you know that's just a different style that he decided to explore uh I will absolutely not criticize uh anyone <laughs> especially post Ghibli uh artists for trying to be Miyazaki because this movie Mary and the Witch Flower is absolutely what we've been missing in the animated yeah. film realm you can speak to this more because you've seen a lot more of the recent ones but um this is just visually it's so much more interesting than anything we've seen in in since the last Ghibli movie like I guess since only uh or since uh, uh your name but um you know it's I I think it's a good decision to try for this type of movie. And uh, he, he, I think he kind of put his own spin on it by, and this is a major aspect we've gotten into by being uh surface level. Like I I've said that there's not a lot of depth to any of the plot elements. And I think that's kind of a stylistic choice. Um, and it's one that he does uses to subvert tropes. I'm not sure if I'm going out on a limb with this analysis. I think it's intentional. And uh, I think it, it creates a uh, fun experience that's, um, doesn't divert your expectations within the movie. There's nothing really surprising that happens within the movie itself, but it subverts your expectations based off of similar stories, and I really appreciated that. Yeah, there was, there was, yeah, I can think of a, a particular moment where that that happens. But, um, but uh, yes, there has been a drought for this type of story and this type of animation. Like I was just so. When I was watching it, it really hit home that I miss these movies, that I miss this style, I miss this 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 grandeur that you just don't get anywhere anymore. Because you know, like you don't see this this you don't see this with with pick like this is a hole in me that neither the best Pixar film or the best Disney film can fill. Neither yeah. like this is just there's this innate sort of beauty into the style that unless someone commits to, commits to it a hundred percent, we're not gonna get. Even your name, which is a beautiful film, a fa- such a joy. It's not. It's not the same. There's this. There. It's not. There is this. This. I don't know. There's kind of like a beauty to not being in the present. Like not be have like having creating something. It takes you into like a fantasy. World yeah, that and- takes you into like a fantasy version of something familiar. It takes you to someplace familiar, but not necessarily something realistic. Yeah, Beatrice. I think the big question with this movie, most of all, is does it capture the Ghibli magic that yes. we've all come to love? And I think yes. 
Yeah, and I agree. I do think it does capture it. I mean, there are some shots like of- that. That that alone is just all you need to hear to see it, in my opinion. And not just that, but there are shots of food in this that will make you hungry. And I feel like that is mandatory for any Ghibli film is to have scrumptious yeah. looking dishes. And it it does. It does have that. And that's not a spoiler. That's just that should be mandatory for any Ghibli-esque film. The biggest the biggest asset is the uh, visuals. It's stunningly visual. And uh, back to uh, the previous thing, to be honest, I I take this. I'm not necessarily saying it's a better film, but I w- enjoyed and needed this more than Coco. I- I don't. I'm not saying it's better, but this is this is more uh, diverting from this, the current norm of American animated films than Coco is. Coco looks kind of similar and uh, behaves kind of similarly, and I feel like this this was this felt more refreshing. I yes, it is absolutely more refreshing. Um, oh God, please don't ask me to rank this in my top oh, five yeah, that, at the end. Please yeah, well, no, don't. That, that, <laughs> get there by the ends. Um. Oh yeah, but um. Yeah, there it definitely there's definitely some like for instance there's a movie I saw recently, Have a Nice Day, which is this Chinese animated film. And similarly to this, even though it's drastically different, it is not similar in tone, anything. Um, but in the same way, it also like scratched this this it was refreshing to me because there is this kind of I don't know, I feel like anime American animation is stagnating a little bit where we're just kind of, I don't know, it's just, we, there's no surprise in it anymore. No matter how stunning it is, there's just this. And I think this is the problem of just having really, cause DreamWorks hasn't really produced something worth talking about in a while. It's really just Disney and Pixar who are actually attempting to make something beautiful. And even then, because it's only these two studios, it's not enough. It's like they're, they've kind of stagnated and it's just, at, at the very film. least, they just all look the same. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? Yes, exactly. So that's why for me, like, you will go into this movie and you'll just like walk out with your eyes super wide, being like, "Oh wow, color!" And yes, so um, yes, absolutely agree with you on that. But um, but yeah, why don't we why don't we go into spoilers? I think that that's enough convincing for to free, for people who don't haven't seen the movie and are still on the fence. I feel like we've convinced you enough. Just go see it. Just watch it. Yeah, yeah. Just go. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna get into spoilers. Go away if you don't want to be spoiled, and please just go away and watch it. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Uh, give me your thoughts. Tell me about why these villains. I should. Like, why I should overlook the the okay. complete well, nonsense of the villains. Like, why okay, should I mean, yeah. Let's talk about the two of them. So, first of all, Madame Mumblechook <laughs> is named Mumblechook. Yeah. That's the number one reason to love her. <laughs> yeah. I thought she was fantastic. She gets not interesting when she becomes evil. But before that, I think she's great. And she's I think it's funny seeing her interact with uh, with Mary. Um, I, I just really enjoyed Mumblechook. She takes the water form. I don't know. She's she's just visually really interesting. Doctor D. Um, there's not a lot there, but he's very. He reminds me a lot of the uh, Boiler Room Man in Spirited Away. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have like a ton of legs, and he's not. He's not like he. You know, he's he's fully human. But um, I, I thought he was fine. You know, there, there's no there's no standout. Uh, <laughs> 
there's no standout Nausicaa or uh, Mononoke uh, female villain here like that. Mumblechoke isn't as good as those, but um, I thought I thought they're fine. I just don't because look, there there is potential there. Okay, like you have human experimentation, you have experimentation of animals. I think my biggest issue with this film is that it's not trying to say anything. Even though, like, usually with like a Miyazaki film, it usually it's like what it's it has something it wants to say. So when I see these villains, I'm like, oh, you could have done something really interesting. Like, why do they want all this magic of power? Like, why are they driven to like experimenting on their own students? Like, what is it that made them go crazy? Because yeah. and and there's this in the interview with um, the director, he said that he want he always wants villains that that. Um, are at, that in their eyes, they're doing something they want. They're doing something good. And I didn't get that in this movie. I just didn't, I didn't, like he's saying what he, I get, I feel like he's saying something, but what he actually produced is another thing. And I just am trying to grapple with it because I just remember thinking like, but what? Like there's potential here. And I, I was writing down notes when this happened. So I didn't 100% catch the line, which is something that happens when you watch a subbed, movie mm. even if i was like some but again like my japanese isn't 100 percent great but it's still somewhat there did did uh mumblechook like want to re- like reverse the experiment she had done on the children or something like she wanted to like end it like what did she do at the end when she wanted to, when she started doing like that spell to stop <laughs> peter like okay. what did she say so first of all nothing nothing is completely clear because uh, it's very surface level. Um Mumblechook uh she she at the end does realize uh that it's gone too far and she's trying to stop it whereas D is all in. Um like Mumblechook realizes like oh we created a monster this isn't what we wanted and then she's trying to reverse it, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, well here's the thing. What if like what's driving her from now on after she loses all these students is trying to bring them back. Suddenly that makes it all the more interesting where I'm like, oh, that's why she keeps doing these things because she wants to bring them back. Whereas, you know... Their motivation ends up being, uh, we want to bring magic to every person in the world. Yet they instead they decide (laughs) to not... Instead of cultivating these flowers that make everybody have magic, they decide to experiment on children instead. Like, why can't they just get into gardening? Like, talk to ZBB (laughs) or whatever his name is, and that's it. That's all they had to do. ZBC... ZBD, yeah. Um, I, so this 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 combination on the uh, the creatures, uh, whatever you want to call uh, that, it's I I think that rather than the villains themselves, the characters, which I thought were fine, I think you've latched on to probably the weakest part of the movie, which is the what they're doing. Um, because their motivations are never clear. Um, uh, everything in this movie is surface level, including their motivations. And the, all the animal stuff, it wants to be a big part of the movie. Um, and it feels like something that would be a Miyazaki theme. <laughs> it feels yeah. like, oh, we shouldn't experiment on things or things should be natural. Um, Miyazaki is very, is like, a, uh, it would be like preservation and stuff like that. But it's not, I agree, it's not actually saying anything. What is What is our takeaway from not having these uh weird creatures um I, I think those were the 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 scenes that i was the most bored with was when uh the animals and then we're turning the animals back and now they're the animals are coming back to save the day it's like hey, none of that none of that really resonated and it's just like okay if you're gonna make animals like okay you make this you make tib be like a familiar so that's like okay that explains why he's so smart 
but then every animal is like smart and it's just like what what are you how why like what is there's a disconnect and it's it's that superficiality and I just feel like that is the one moment where I just felt like I don't feel like you should have gone Miyazaki in this for that like if you're not going to say something if you're not gonna like commit to it and actually like this is when I thought he was trying to be Miyazaki instead okay, that, of trying yeah, to, yeah. to to do his own thing in, instead of being inspired by this is when he was in a way mimicking and that's never something you want to see. So that's my biggest thing with like the, the, with the villains. But yeah. I, I enjoyed them. Like I knew some like there was this sort of like like in the beginning it was they were hilarious and there was this sort of like I love that Mary's name is Mary because I was just like. And her reactions are just always like, what? I'm doing this? No, you have no... She is what an actual person would react if they become a Mary Sue, you know, where suddenly she's good at everything and she's just okay, like... Let's talk, yeah, let's talk about Mary. First of all, with Mary, it was very. it's very funny to watch this movie in so Japanese funny. because her name is um, Mary Smith and Maddie Smith. Maddie like, Smith. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, this movie takes place in England and then... so. Right, like Mary is from England, and then the school is in Japan. Is that what's happening? No, she's just in England, and it's she's. I like think in, I think the school they go to can't be in England because they she changed no, the, like te- the, the uh, Mumblechook changes the text from English to Japanese. I think. No, you're right. Like, but it's not. No, no, no. That's not Japanese. That's just a weird language. Oh, just any um, language. Yeah, that, no, that's just some weird hieroglyphic kind of weird language. Like they're in the fantasy world. Okay. And fantasy England to fantasy England. Yeah, the, but that's that's something. It's like, why is she bowing if she's from England? Like, there's just these mannerisms where I'm just like, you're, and it's really again, I'm throwing these like interview things in there because like it, they were really like insightful. You, the producer of this movie was talking about like, oh, this takes place in England, so uh, in the like it's inspired by Great Britain. So we went and we took photography and whatever. We went to see the culture because we never want to make a movie that doesn't really capture the culture of a place and we don't want to make fun of it. And I was just like, but why is she bowing then? Because no one in the UK bows. Like, it's just like, there's just this like, it's just. It's all it's always funny in anime when they're either they're trying to speak English or it's taking place <laughs> in England or the United States. It's so I, that, yeah, there's several laughs in my theater when they're, when they're just saying, Mary Smith, like pizza. Mary. It's great. It's great. <laughs> You, you lose that in watching the dub, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it was it, and it's just really interesting that I don't know because this they do try like visually they get it right. It's just in the mannerisms, so it's just really funny and just weird how like that kind of came. I, I, it just really makes you think like. If someone from like, I don't know, when, if someone from the US tries to do like something in Japan, like how must that look to them? You know, that's basically how this feels. You know, it's kind of the inverse yeah. of that. Yeah. So it's just interesting and fun to, to notice. Yeah. Okay. I have, a, I have a hot take about Mary Beatrice. Tell me. Um, I, d- despite this movie not, you know, this movie wouldn't rank that high in the Ghibli canon if it, if you count it there, you know, it'd be middle of the pack or whatever. Um, the, you know, we're saying it's superficial. However, Mary, I think Mary is a top tier Ghibli heroine. Um, I think that she's excellent. She's the strongest part of the movie. Um, I think she's has more personality than almost any other Ghibli heroine. I agree. I think she's 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 funny. She's spunky, and it's like I've never seen that before in this type of movie. I think that I think that was that was really interesting. Yeah, I completely agree. I. There's just this, usually like that type of character is reserved to a side character in Ghibli. Like usually the main character is pretty, you know, like I just, I I kept thinking about Spirited Away 
and how, you know, in Spirited Away, she just kind of goes with the flow. She just kind of just, you know, she just is like, my parents just turned to pigs. I have to, I have to, I, I, I'm just okay with this. Maybe it's because it did take place in Japan. So it was like, maybe that was just part of like the myth. It's just part of like maybe Shinto where it's just like. It's just, she, it's just part of the story they're telling. Yeah. 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 So, but maybe she's like familiar with those type of stories. So she could have been like, oh, this is happening right now. Like, oh, this is what's going on. So I'm not freaking out. But with Mary, she's actually like reacting and being like, what is going on? And what? Like she's, I don't know. There's just this, this realness to her, this, this, that she actually feels like someone you, you know, instead, instead of things just happening around her, she's very much involved with everything in a yeah. sense that like you, you know her emotions. She's very expressive in that way. And, um, this is probably the, the, I mean, again, it's not a Ghibli movie, but let's just say if it were a Ghibli movie, like this is the most I feel someone says Sugoi. Sugoi is like amazing. Sugoi, yeah. Like this is the, like, that's the, this is the most you'll hear from it. And that's something that's just very typical of a young girl, like how young girl will, will talk. She's just be like, what? This is what? No. And I just, I love it. And I, and she's funny. They're just, she has these moments of humor that are just so, they just, they will have the entire audience laughing. Cause you'll yeah. just think like, Oh my God, Mary. Well, I, you know, when she just goes like, yeah, this is just 40% of my power. Yeah. Well, like, that's, Mary. that's the, that's the highlight line of the entire movie. <laughs> that was the funniest line. That is that she's like, she's like, uh, yes, yeah, this, this is 40%, 40% of my power. Um, Mary is just really funny. Uh, and this is, this movie is dominated by Mary. Like kind of a lot of Ghibli movies are, but a significant portion of this movie is just her talking to a cat. Um, so she's just that, that performance in, in Japanese, it's, uh, Hannah Sugisaki, uh, Ruby Barnhill in English. I assume she's, she's great too, but like it's, it is, she just commands the entire movie. And, uh, she seems to me like a more typical anime protagonist than Ghibli films usually have. Yes. She's very much the gank, the Genki girl. She's the Genki girl, yeah. And usually Ghibli films have more of a subdued version of that, like Kiki, because um, they're in very similar. This is a coming of age witch movie, and we even talked about the coming of age part. But um, Kiki does the coming of age better. But I, I kind of connect more with Mary than I do Kiki. I think Mary just has a lot more life to her. Yeah, I mean Kiki is much more like it's very internal and just based on the style, like she, her face isn't very expressive. So a lot of the things that are happening, you just kind of, you're, you're very much out in the outside with Kiki. Whereas with, with Mary, she just kind of like puts her hand on your shoulder and goes, yo, this is what's going on. This is what's going, this is what's happening. And it's, it, it's definitely, it's different, but it's, but it's still fun. It's just a different, a different type of protagonist. That's, and she's very much the reason why the pacing is so great. Because she keeps you so energized as you're watching. You're just, you're really going along with her that you're just like, yeah. And then you just, it, it's just, she's a great companion. She's a great person to take you on this journey. Yeah. Whereas with some pr- other protagonists, they, they're the ones who are like, no, I shouldn't. Or, uh, and it's, they're the ones, sometimes they're the ones kind of dragging the film da- down. With her, it's, you will never have that problem. She's just going to be like, all right, let's, let's, let's go. And it's great and fantastic. But, um, Let's talk about that coming coming of age thing though, because okay, but with because you know with Mary it was very much just I guess the hair was the big indicator. Yeah, that's basically it. Is the Mary uh, gaining temporarily gaining magic is her gaining confidence in herself and her uh, frizzy red hair. That's that's basically the depth of it in this movie. How old 
old is she? How old is Mary Dean? Uh, 12? I don't know. Something like that. I mean, part of me was like, oh, if only the magic would have been like red instead of blue. And this could have been like a thing about the like menstruation or something. And they could like, you know, you could have like really like dug in on it. But no, it was blue. So it's fine. But um, but yeah, like it's just really funny how the director said that that was curly hair. And I'm just like, you have not seen curly hair like that. Curly hair is not that does not look like curly hair. That's just like wavy hair. That's just frizzy which was just really funny but um but yeah she again it it is superficial but i i i like how magic is not the it's that like for instance with kiki like riding a broomstick was like it's very much like once she masters that then she can then like when she regains her magic like that's that like magic was very much part of the coming of ageness of it, whereas with Kiki, not Kiki, uh, with Mary, by the end of the movie, she just goes like, eh, "I don't need it. This is my last day of using magic. Like, let's go." Yes, uh, Beatrice, th- this is the brilliance of the movie to me. It is a subversion of magical school and magic uh, stories. Mary is not a witch. She does not have magic at the end. I kept expecting there to be yeah. a twist where Mary actually could use magic on her own. And she was a, a, a witch, a magic user. And it never came. That was the one big surprise to me was that they didn't do that. And this, the brilliance of this is that Mary just walks into magic school. She has, she's the most powerful witch ever. <laughs> she has all the magic powers. She can do everything. It doesn't even matter what the classes are, what the students are. Typically, these things that shows like Little Witch Academia struggle to introduce because they're supposed to be important because we're supposed to be going on a journey are unimportant in this movie because magic is not important. Mary can instantly fly on a broom. It was such a contrast to Akko in <laughs> Little Witch Academia, who struggles the entire series. And I thought that's, uh, I feel like to a certain extent, this movie is laughing at Little Witch Academia. <laughs> and uh, like, obviously not, but because they're kind of, they came and came out at the, at the same time. But um, it's like this movie is subverting Harry Potter, basically. Like uh, yeah. the, 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 it's the best. Opposite. The best scene of the movie is when Mary comes to uh, Endor College for the first time. And it, this, the whole sequence of her seeing everything, uh, her being guided by um, who turn into the, the two professors, turn into our two villains, and her, it's like, oh, I can use disappearance magic. Oh, I can, uh, I her, and then she unlocks the thing. And uh, it, the 40%, all of that was so brilliant to me. And I wish the last, the latter half of the movie was as brilliant as that sequence and as subversive as uh, her just like completely ignoring all this, this fantasy and all this magic. Oh, I mastered it already. Oh, it's, and it's only temporary. And it's not. And like the climax is, is like, is not as resonant as that. Not as, it is not as special. Um, but, uh, it, it's still, it's still all fine. But yeah, I just, that, that whole sequence of her entering the college, uh, I, I just, I was so in love with that. I will say that the when when um, Mumble Chook was saying like, oh, we have like magic chemistry and magic this. And it's just like this. It's just cl- like a typical schedule, but just with magic before it, which was really great. Um, but I something that I find I, like I have a theory like I, baseless. And I'm just going off this because uh, the. Because the director was the key animate, one of the key animators on Howl, but theory, Peter is Howl. 
Because he looked like hell. Theory. There's Peter, one There's one scene where he kind of turns into hell. Yeah. Basically. And I'm just saying, like, okay, Mary, like, she she just, like, she refuses magic, whatever. But, you know, Peter had this huge experiment done on him. I'm saying there are, repro- like, the, there is an after effects to this. And he suddenly is able to use magic permanently, you know. And he, because apparently magic keeps you from aging the normal way because i never understood why the villain if her great her great aunt was charlotte if she was um if she was like younger than the professors why does she look older than they are and then when mumblechuck loses her magic i don't know (laughs) basically there are moments in this where there's a lot of like nuggets of like uh of of there's nuggets of mythology in here of like world building. Yeah, Let's, and enough wanna... for enough for me enough for me to to fanfic enough for me to write a bunch of fanfic and be like yes, but because this is the reason why this happened. It's it's enough for, for to get imaginative minds like my own going, but it also it didn't like it, that like that was enough for me to keep it from calling it a hundred percent superficial. But um, so there's stuff there, and yeah. How like this is a prequel. If you start how immediately after this, it's like you could easily put the I don't know like hundred years later, and then there's Peter being how. Like yeah, I mean he he did okay. I get he looked like him at one point. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go so far as the sequel. I have a hot take with this and how how I had a similar reaction of there not being a lot of depth to its mythology. Uh, similar to this movie, but Howell tries to do grand things and it's all based on a flimsy mythology. This movie is aware that it has no depth and it succeeds with that. Whereas Howell struggled um, because it didn't have anything beyond uh, what it, pre- what uh, the little it presented of its mythology and not necessarily saying this movie is better than Howell, but I think it succeeds in its mythology more. Oh, I will say it. It's better than Howell. Like I'll yeah. say it, no yeah. problem. I mean, like, there's people. There's people that love Hal. I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm not necessarily one of those people. But I think this could be better than Hal. Yeah. Oh no, totally. Like I and I do. I'm one of those people. I adore Hal. But the thing is, like that movie, it's evident that there were production issues when you're watching that movie. You, you can clearly see holes in story, in things not working out, and it's been documented. People have said like this. There were like they had to change directors late in the game. Originally, Miyazaki wasn't the one directing it, so there are some evident issues there. Like that, that movie was like a could have been, but just things got in the way. Like I feel like I, I think Miyazaki said in an interview in an interview once that that's the movie he thinks about the most because he always thinks like, oh, what could I have done to change it? So um, this one is far superior, and I. I agree. Like, this one doesn't take itself so seriously as Howl did. And it just, and it also, like, again, like, it, it, it didn't, it, and it's similar to Howl in that it is an adaptation of a book. Um, and it, it just kind of, I, I haven't read that book, but in Howl, Howl's Moving Castle, like, the magic is much more present. It's much more prevalent. So, it just kind of had all this yeah. mythology and just kind of rejected it and just did its own thing. Whereas with this one, like, it, the rejection was fine because they were owning up to it, I guess. There was this, they were just like, yeah, magic is like, that's not the point. The point yeah, is the magic. Yeah. Do you agree with me that the super, the movies, the movie is aware of its superficiality and that's kind of the point? Because I feel like that's a bold claim. I mean, okay. Listen, after listening to the interviews, uh, no, I think that they were, they, they were saying, like, 
they were saying, like, they said, oh, the villains are this, like, with Mary, they, like, basically, the producer said the theme, Swan, let me, let me pull up what it is exactly that they said the theme of this movie was. They were talking about how this movie dealt with anxiety and how that means that you don't know, because you don't know the future, that gives you anxiety, and then that, but that also means that, that also gives you hope, because the future is unknown, so you won't know, yeah. so you won't I mean, be disappointed. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like they were giving me these answers, these like really yeah. like eloquent answers, and I was thinking, but that's not what was in you'll the movie. See, you'll see. I think you'll see similar things if you watch uh, a lot of Ghibli movies. Uh, and a lot of a lot of Japanese properties. I have trouble connecting with like directors' comments on stuff, so that that, that doesn't surprise me that much. So, like, I, this is definitely a coming of age story. This is not a oh this is this is dealing with depression and not depression anxiety and dealing with like oh like self esteem like she there, there, they were, it, it was trying to comment on self esteem with the red oh hair totally stuff, yeah. totally it was like the self esteem was there but it wasn't like it wasn't like in other like films that it really is like part of every little mm-hmm. aspect even the magic is part like in Kiki's self esteem is like you it really hits you over the head with with uh with mary it's just kind of like oh like it's it's lighthearted you know it's yeah. just like yeah kiki's oh, look, is better look. like thematically with that type of stuff for sure right right there's just there is this kind of like the themes even the themes in this it just it doesn't like, i agree with you that it doesn't take itself too seriously and it's not that deep i don't know if that was 100 percent intentional the I think the, I think the say. biggest reason to say that it was intentional was because the movie just rejects magic and it has that scene at the at the end with like her I I don't need magic she doesn't end up becoming a witch I think it's super successful when she comes to the college and it gradually becomes less successful as we're trying to do these climactic moments um like when we're doing everything with uh turning peter into whatever yeah. <laughs> whatever superhuman or that you know and it was like that was it was it was fun enough but it wasn't a super uh, emotionally resonant climax to me um you know i that's the big flaw with the movie i guess is there's no moment where i'm completely enthralled and you know like the best part of the movie is a funny sequence with her entering the college it's not the the end the ending climax like this movie is great the way like, okay, this is, again, this is going to be a jump, but just bear with me. This movie is great the way that, like, Legally Blonde is great. In that it's so fun and there's stuff there, but it's not too deep that you have to think too hard. And it's just a great ride. And you, it's very, I think it's going to be a very rewatchable experience. Like, some Ghibli films, you kind of just watch them once and you're like, okay, I had the experience. And then you wait, like, five years and they're like, okay, now I can see it again. Whereas with this, it's like you're, this is a movie that you can definitely, this has kind of that, that kind of like popcorn film character. Like that, it's just like, it's fun. It, you're gonna have a great time. It's gonna be a joy and it's gonna be great. Whereas, you know, other, like Kiki is more like Ladybird, where it's yeah. like, you know, it's much more introspective. It's like nothing happens, but it does happen and it does play with your emotions in that way. Whereas this one is just like, you know, it's just like, Haha, ha, let's go. And it's great. Um, two different types of movies. Both are great, but they have their pros and cons, I guess. Not pro, yeah, they have their pros and cons, I guess, in that sense. But, um, but yeah, and also the directors did say that he very much wanted Mary to have the characteristics of a young child in that she's very optimistic. She's very, like, just energetic and can't sit still and wants to just 
explore the world and is always bored and always wants to just keep doing things like and I feel like having that mindset of really wanting to capture the essence of a young child you know like capturing that kind of energy I think also worked really well with the kind of the superficiality of the film yeah the the the, the superficiality it doesn't spend uh, a lot of time on anything. It's only, you know, hour 40 to hour 50. If this movie was uh, two hours 20 and trying to do a lot more with these elements that weren't that it successful, it would fall apart. But because it's such a tight unit and because we, uh, yes, the the things the villains are doing aren't that interesting, but we don't really spend that much time on them. Um, yes, the twist with uh, her great aunt being the girl we saw in the beginning was very obvious. But it's not a big deal. It's just like, okay, we do it. We move. We're moving on. Um, you know, the, 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 this movie doesn't. Uh, the, there's no big. There's no huge flaw because it it doesn't. Uh, you know, it, it it avoids all that. It it just it just keeps moving and it keeps focusing on its strength, which is Mary. And uh, I do think the uh, the lack of focus kind of uh, thematically works with with the uh, the lack of magic at the end. See, but couldn't have there have been like again? This is me fanficking now, but wouldn't it have been really cool if? Because you know when when um when Charlotte fall like in the beginning when she like f- like I don't know when her when she loses her broom and falls into the forest, you see her hair go black. So then I was like, oh well, maybe she like Tib is actually the the witch, <laughs> and then you have like a lesbian care like relationship hidden between these two cats, and it could have been like this really cool thing. <laughs> well, I thought I thought uh, Great Aunt Charlotte and whoever the other family member was there because she wasn't important. Oh, but I, I, I was like, are, I was like, are they together? <laughs> Why are they living together alone? Like, what is this? Uh, but then, but then they had separate beds, so that kind of got defeated. But see, I, well, then they, they they did say like the mayor's funeral, so I was assuming. That was her great uncle, I think. Yeah, I have no idea who the other person was. That in their house. I do. I don't know. I think yeah. she was just kind of like uh, the the person who helps. Oh, that was the helper. Um, I, I don't even no, know. No, like Charlotte. I feel like maybe she was her nurse or something. Uh-huh. Maybe. Who knows? By the way, when, I think I think the first twenty minutes of this movie are kind of boring. Should be noted. Um, I think everything before Mary starts doing magic stuff with the flower, uh, was it was it was like it was fun and it, it was like good slice of life, like very boring anime. But uh, you know, it wasn't that engaging. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like it needed to happen in order to like, because it ha- had that been like, it needed to be boring i feel like that definitely was intentional it needed to be calm because it really sold the fact that mary was really bored and the contrast between that and the fantasy world is so stark yeah that like you barely remember it but the 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 only potential problem is that i none of the her people from england matter so spending time with them was kind of pointless i mean I mean, like, um, what? What does it even matter if we have any sort of introduction to Peter before he becomes the uh, d- the damsel in distress? Because he doesn't—he's no characterization anyway. He was just, you know, he's kind of. I thought he was just kind of like, what's his name? Um, he has less characterization than him, but f- I think his name's Flynn from Tangled. He's just the guy that's supposed to be like he's the attractive guy that all the like basically like. Okay, so the story with Flynn is that they got all these female animators at Disney and then they were like, okay, what is, like, we're not getting this character right. What do you find attractive? And then they kind of were just like, this. They, these are the characteristics of what's attractive in a guy. And then they got Flynn, which is, I think that's his name. Is that it, his name? Finn? Finn? I don't know. Finn. I don't know. The, the guy who gets together with. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a good comparison. Do you, do you like Peter in this movie? 
I mean, I think he's Howl, so I think he's pre-Howl, which, and I'm committing okay, to this with theory. The Howl head cannon. <laughs> okay, fine. I think he was fine. He wasn't. He wasn't like I was expecting him to be that, like you know, the guy who's going to treat her badly because he likes her, which I hate. That's a horrible way of thinking and treating. Uh, that's a horrible way to teach boys how to act in front of girls they like is to have them tease them. And I like that he just did that. Like he didn't even really too go super into it. Um, and he just, you know, he's just like a good kid. And I was just like, all right, great. There was like this moment in the beginning where when like he called, like she tells him, my name's Mary. Don't call me that. And then two seconds later, he accidentally calls her that in frustration. And they act like this is like the biggest betrayal. And I was just like, that like he calls a red monkey or something and she was just like how dare you yeah, she gets and very flustered with him for kind of not a lot of reason yeah. for not a lot of reasons just that he's there like you couldn't have peter chain you could change peter with any other like you could you could have another male character in switch peter is just nothing oh my goodness i don't care because he wasn't important and my oh, the, the red monkey thing is his best thing by the way because then that's like the best that's the peter off, yeah. and the animals yeah when you see the actual red that's monkey sweet. yeah that I and then and then he gets the uh, her her jacket too. The thing I like about Peter is that he's the damsel in distress and yeah. distress, and he's the guy, and that's all he is. And I think it's a good gender subversion. Yeah, basically, that I feel like that's the point to his character, which was just like he was the one that needed to be saved, and like she and she was the one to save him. Yeah. Um, but but what about like what about other characters? Like what about Charlotte? Like did you get annoyed that she wasn't even willing to like? fight back she's like i like i would have much rather preferred charlie to be like stay there let me do let me go and then i don't know like and and then ha- maybe there was like a like a little hint that she was like ill or something and then and then um i don't know and then uh uh mary was like no you can't you you're too you can't do it you're not you can't do it anymore whereas instead she was just like i'm not a witch any longer and i was like but why don't you have magic no one yeah. told me why you don't have magic anymore like that's yeah. another story that you could have like it, it that was just very convenient and i was just I wanted her to have also a hurrah because, like, in the begin in in that opening sequence, I was like, "Oh my god, who is that? Like, tell me who Charlotte is." Charlotte and- ultimately does not matter, much like every character that is not Mary, and that's the best aspect of her. I think is that she doesn't come to save the day because now Mary can save the day on her own. Totally, and I don't want her to save the day. I just wanted her to at least try to m- try be a little bit more active. Like, I wanted her to be forced to not go. Whereas, or, or really not be able to go, not just conveniently, conveniently say like, oh, I can't do it anymore. And it's like, why? Like, if you were, if you, if that was the way she was going to do it, I wanted her to like, tell me yeah. why. Yeah. But, I, uh, I, I, I think nothing of Charlotte. She didn't end up being anything. The, the, see, she was, she was the girl in the beginning. That was the maybe, thing. Maybe, maybe that's the subversion is that. Yeah, I honestly, like, like, in act- my mind, all of this is a subversion. Yes, I agree. Like, that's, and I don't know if, I don't think the Charlotte thing was intentionally a subversion, but I think it works as a, a subversion of that type of character. Okay, and last thing, last thing on Charlotte before we move on. Last thing. Okay, when she's showing Mary, like, the flashback, why does she go young again? I, I can make it, it's like, why isn't, like, elder charlotte enough why does she have to go it's it's a visual aid for us i think that's i I guess so but at the same time i was like no show me like she's just as great 
at, at whatever age she is than when she was younger. Don't be like, I was just like, I was about to get my ageist pitchforks. I was like, don't do this. She's great. No matter what age it's, she is. It's, she looks similar to Mary. So it's a nice visual uh, device to see her because she looks like Mary and see her interacting in the past. Yeah, and what is that is like that is a hint with Ghibli where like when they're young you had these beautiful women, but then when they're old they ha- they look nothing like their younger selves, which is pretty interesting. Um, because that happened also with uh, uh Lapia. Yeah, yeah it that happened with there. the with 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 the with the pirate queen. Um, but yeah, um, uh, they- Tib and Gib. Why haven't we talked about Tib yet? Yes, Tib is. The greatest magical cat there is. And this is not a hot take. This is just fact. Because that look that they, that expression is genius. I adore them for making this cat who's just this wonderful mix of an actual cat and, um, what's his name? The cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, where he's just sassy and he's just like done. He's just so shady and it's the greatest thing. Like he's just over it and I love it. But what do you think about Tib and Gib? It's, yeah, well, Gib doesn't matter, but Tib, <laughs> Tib, uh, Tib does not talk. That's the most interesting part, I think, yeah. of, of Tib because Kiki, the, the cat and Kiki talks and the cat and Kiki is iconic and incredible. But what they do with Tib is so, um, is so fascinating and excellent because Tib is the, maybe the funniest part of the movie and we just see shots of this cat emoting and yeah. like we frequently ju- just cut to the cat like wide and uh and just just oh, there's so many humor beats of this movie uh just of uh just seeing how a cat like a normal cat reacts and uh yeah i think i think tib's incredible second best character other than mary <laughs> by by far and also that i love again we're going back to the subversion thing she's like oh the cat turned gray oh the black cat's black now again. And it's like, and everyone's with it. Everyone's like, yeah, wow, this cat is magical. And it's like, no, they're just two cats. Like, that was clearly taking a bit, like, that it was, more than anything, that was the moment where where I I was like, okay, they're very much aware of the tropes in this type of yeah. magical girl genre. And they're playing with us. And at, I was at, like. Yeah, that's another great example. At the very least, the movie is definitely intentionally subverting typical magic stories, and it is highly successful in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it could have been intentional. Like, um, directors, uh, especially I think in Japan, are known for not saying what they actually mean. Like, yeah, right. That, yeah, that, know, that's so. a lot of these interviews. They, you know, they don't actually matter because they don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Flanagan. Oh yes, Flanagan. He was, he was what? He- what animal was he? <laughs> I thought he was like a fox. I think. Okay, yeah, I think so. Maybe he, I don't just, know. He he's, looks the, like he's the broom. He's the broom guy. He showed he's up whenever we need the broom. Him and Broom Kid from Star Wars need to have like a. a broom oh, is session. he is he Broom Kid in the future? Oh, <laughs> no. he's totally no, no. Oh, okay. he's totally like he is the future teacher of Broom Kid. Okay. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, he was great. He was definitely definitely the crowd favorite yeah. of my screening. Yeah, same with me. Like, they just, like, people loved him. Like, he's fine. I love that he's, like, really committed to brooms. Like, he, he, like, that's, that's his thing. He's like, take care of your broom. And he just always is there to, like, save it. And what I love is, like, yes, he is, sometimes he's, like, the deus ex ex machina type of figure. Oh, absolutely. Because he always, like, he's always there when you need the broom. Oh, Mary, you're on top of this tree and you need a broom? Oh, here I am. Oh, like, hey, Mary, there's this, all these animals are running around. Who cares? Here's your broom back. Like, you need, they're about to capture you, but like, here's your broom. But like, that's what's so great is that she doesn't have her broom. And it's like, it makes sense for him to show up. Like, 
they set it up really well where it's like it's not it doesn't feel like a like it, yes it's a deus ex machina type of character but it doesn't it doesn't bother me because it's like yeah mary left her broom again she needs to take care of that broom she learned that it's like a sentient being like why is she not like why is she leaving it all over the place it just it i I really appreciated him. Again, he's yeah, not and and, and and about him too. I think Mary's relation with her little broomstick, which I guess was the title of the original book, I do think that's a successful element of the show too. Yeah. Yeah. I think um like I felt like I I mean I will say like it did bother me that the broom came back. Um because like I was like okay, like this is like the death of the film is the broom. Like the broom's gone. There it's not coming back. And then Yeah, that might have that might have fit better with the subversion stuff if the broom actually snapped and did not did not return. Yeah. But I mean, but by that point cuz you're right, the last half of the movie is the weakest part. By that point it was going it 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 was going back into the more formulaic like, oh, got to save the day type of thing. So Yeah. The, the climax of the movie, it's visually stunning and it's it's good enough. But it's 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 definitely not up to the the Ghibli ending of movie standards. Yeah, that is true. It it, I mean, it's not and I it's not weak because I feel like that's the very point of my Howl theory. But it's, but it's again, it is it it is disappointing that after like oh like here we are going on this ride and suddenly it's like oh it's just like every other ride even though it could have I mean I don't I don't know how it could have ended it differently. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. The story, of, the plot of the movie never mattered, so the climax couldn't have yeah, been good. Exactly. It, was, it was impossible. Um, there were some stunning shots of like her and uh, P- Pita casting the spell at the same time. <laughs> like, I think I think it was super gorgeous. Yeah, and I love how. I mean, it, I love the, how the most Beatrice, the most prominent spell in this movie is get rid of all the magic. That's the one they cast twice, and they don't. That's like yeah. the, that's that's so representative of this movie just like not caring about magic and magic stories. Yeah, it's basically saying like undo the spells. Undo the spell. Like, no, yeah. the best This way is the is... anti-magic movie, and that's why I love it. That is like the more I think about it, the more you've sold me on this. Because Good. it's it 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 is essentially. It's all everything it's trying to say is magic not worth the fight and everything that like every transformation that is that is not uh, like that's wrong and that's like that it people like everything's fine in its most natural state and you even get that with her hair you know she had it tied and then she finally lets it loose it lets it go natural which is again it ties in everything it's just magic is yeah it's it's a very despite being full of a lot of magical uh hijinks this is a movie that is very much saying it's fun, but you don't need it. Yeah. Screw magic. That's what Mary and the Witch's Flower says. Basically. Or just or not screw magic. If you run into magic, enjoy it, but don't like don't just have fun with it for a day and then toss it away. Yeah. You know? And I kind of like that. I kind of like how this is very much similar to like Spirited Spirited Away. It very much even though like having it be Charlotte that is the one that was the previous witch kind of ruins it a little bit i like how this felt like very much an adventure that happens within the span of like two days and by the time her parents come home like she's like not gonna like it's gonna be something like she's not even gonna be thinking about it it's kind of similar spirit in a way that it happened and then they return and it's as if nothing ever happened whereas yeah. and with this like with this one had tib been the witch then maybe it could have been very much like it would have stayed with the kids but instead, it, it tip, tip it, was the witch. You want the Mita of Minda from uh, one of the recent Zelda games, but um, it's uh, it, it, 
it's like Spirited Away in that it goes back to normal, but Spirited Away was this huge event in Chihiro's life. It was hugely impactful for her. And Mary is fine. She's fine. None of this really mattered. Yes, yes. Like this, again, it's it, it's Spirited Away in a sense that it, like, it kind of like, it's time, it's like this very, like it feels like it only happened in a very short amount of time, even though you don't exactly know how much time passes with Spirited Away because there's there are theories that, there are theories and evidence that time passed a lot. But I was nervous. I thought that we were going to get, like, when she disappeared, I thought it was going to be based, like, similar to Totoro, how there's, like, that theory about... I'm very into theories, guys. Um, about that theory of that girl that disappeared in that forest, and that was the basis of Totoro. Well, I thought that was going to be something similar here, that there was going to be enough clues, and then it's not. And maybe that's a subversion in and of itself, you know? Who knows? I'm... The more I think about this movie, the more I really, really like it. I, I mean, I mean, not that I didn't like it before, but that's something that I enjoy because sometimes the opposite happens, and that's never fun. But yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. I don't know. I, I, it's possible I'm reading this in a way which was not specifically in in the intent, but uh, I, I got to uh, experience it in a way in which I really really enjoyed, and this was I think overall the most fun I had with maybe any movie in if counting this as a 2017 movie this was it was just so much fun like i think this was so much more fun than coco the difference is coco was hugely emotionally resonant at the end and this movie had nothing like that so i think it's really hard to compare the two if we're looking for like top animated film yeah yeah that's very true and again it's also subjective like like something that i always look for in film that i value greatly is rewatchability like if I can watch something again and again and again, that has to value for some. There has to be value in that. So, but there are some movies that are fantastic, and I just I can't watch again. And this one has more rewatchability for me than Coco does, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean we'll have to see when uh, when we get it on DVD soon enough. I think so. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, there it's it's getting shorter all the time. Um, from release to to. Uh, from from theater release to to DVD release, yeah. but again, the only thing with G Kids is that usually their films are hard to like to to they I don't know if they're often leaked. They usually they they stay in like they they'll stay like they I don't know they usually don't they don't this movie them, this like, movie online. was absolutely not available online uh, before the yeah. US release date. That's why that's why making it a premiere event kind of worked. Um, but at the very least in Japan, it'll be released on DVD. And the only thing with G Kids is. Um, hoping with the the super long shot that this will sneak into the the uh, the Oscar uh, best animated film crop. There's probably like a five percent chance of it getting in. Uh, ta- please put this in over Boss Baby, <laughs> please. Uh, please, Oscars. please. Like the just. I mean, and and that's another frustrating thing is that I've, ever since Ghibli disappeared, like ended really production, they like. Just kind of the Oscar, kind of the Oscars, just kind of ignored Japanese films, like animated films at least. It was just kind of like, okay, Ghibli's done, so we're not going to continue. Yeah, with basically, Mar- Marnie, Marnie was nominated for best animated feature, which was a great nomination, and then they completely ignored Your Name last year, which is just yeah. aging com- worse and worse by by the month as that movie is going down as a uh, classic. So, uh, n- you know, not optimistic with the current state, but anyway. But yeah, so please. 
uh, Oscar voters, do yourselves a favor. They vote. They voted already. It's done. I, I know. I know. I know. But I, I just need to say it. Like, don't, don't put Boss Baby over this. Like, you cannot. Don't it's make me say. It's happening, and you're gonna be so upset. Don't make me say Academy Award nominee Boss Baby. Just oh, yeah, please that's... don't make that a thing. I'd rather, I'd rather Ferdinand or the star. I'd rather yeah. the star get it than Boss Baby. We'll but... see. We'll see on Tuesday. <laughs> Oh man. Um but yeah, um are there any like final thoughts that you want to say about Marnie about Marnie, about Mary and the witches? I'd like to power? talk about when Marnie was there again because uh <laughs> no, but we could do a revisiting. Um Oh uh, yeah, and I'll watch it. Oh yeah, the witches Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about the witch's flower itself, but uh, Oh yeah. Okay, mine, oh my god. I okay, maybe it's because I'm watching uh, not watching playing Breath of the Wild. There's so there is a flower in Breath of the, yeah, Bo- I think of it the looks Wild like that. that looks just like it. There was a lot of this movie that was like, that looks like Breath of the Wild. No, that that's looks a, like that's Breath a good, of the that Wild. That is a good thing because that game is gorgeous. It, yes, it's a great thing. Um, but I didn't know if that just meant that that's just part of the genre or or if it was just like like I didn't like I'm happy with it because I love how that looks. But at the same time, it's also like is what we're seeing as uh, original as I think as I think it is even like you know what I mean like you know there's I don't know I don't know I feel like it's like I'm I'm confusing genre with originality and it's just kind of like okay like it's a mat like you still need like I don't know flowers can only look so like different i don't know or maybe the mo- the I, like i said earlier i think a lot of elements of this movie seem very reminiscent of previous uh ghibli and other and other movies so right, yeah right so it's just kind of like okay style versus originality like what's more important and i feel like because the style is so pretty i don't mind it yeah if that makes any sense yeah, but overall overall i really really love the movie um maybe i'm i'm reading it in in a way in which gets me to love it <laughs> and uh, that was not the point and maybe the uh, superficiality is just a complete negative like a lot of these reviews you're seeing would say but um i found meaning in it and uh at the very least mary a wonderful character this movie a lot of fun absolutely gorgeous and i think uh yona bayashi the director's uh films cemented as must watches at this point he's three for three in great films so very much looking forward to what uh him him and uh, Ponok do next. Yeah, awesome. Um, similarly, uh, I think that it's a great film. I think it's enjoyable. It definitely has weaknesses, and there are moments where I wish that he didn't try to be Miyazaki. But um, even then, just like it's still a- like aiming for greatness, still is a good thing. You know, I don't mind that type of ambition. And um, I think it should be, yes, it's a criticism, but it also, even though you could use that as a a critique, it should also be lauded just for the attempt. Um, And yeah, I would, I can't even remember my top five, but I would, I would switch this out with have a nice day. I would. There's. That's it? Number five? No, 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 no. It's I think it's I can't remember four or three. Oh, Cars three. No, wait. Well, Cars three. Hold on. I you're, might switch out. You're the only one in the world that likes Cars three that much, but no, no. I put it at number what? I think Andy put it higher than me. I think I put Cars three as number four, and then what's anyway. Okay. Well, well, yeah. Well, I go listen to that uh, top five films to see the rest of Beatrice's list. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I probably I'm. It's definitely in my top five, but I might switch out four or three. And put that in and keep the rest, if that makes any sense. Like, I would, they wouldn't go down. They, I would just switch them out. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, 
yeah, I think that does it for us. Um, you can find out all the info on this podcast at overlyanimated.com. You can join us on Discord to text chat about animation at overlyanimated.com slash Discord. Support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks for, thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Connie, aka Veronica Kukamanga. And thanks as always to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Andy, and Hugh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.